Welcome to the Unshamed Podcast. This is a space where we talk openly about topics that are typically seen as taboo in casual conversation. We want to remove barriers for people to share their stories without fear. Hi guys, welcome to the Unshamed Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Her name is Avril. And Avril and I, we go way back. Um, She's actually working with us with Zoe Community. And in case anybody doesn't know, Zoe Community is the organization that sponsors this podcast um, because we want to talk about things that are typically um, subjects that are kind of taboo and shameful um, for society. And we want to have conversations around those topics so we can break down stigma and break down the walls that can keep us separated from each other. So today is kind of a heavy topic, so a bit of a trigger warning. Avril, do you want to give this trigger warning for us so we can... Yeah, the content and in sharing my story, it's not an easy one to share. So I would just suggest if you have children, maybe don't listen to it in front of your children and um, because it involves um, sexual abuse as well, just to let you know that that's happening cool all right so guys yeah um and as we go through if you feel like if you feel triggered by listening to anything that avril said even if you're not with kids or whatever um you know be nice to yourself yeah you know it's it's okay to feel those things um and if you need to talk to somebody make sure that you do don't keep it you know to yourself because so many of us have gone through things where we feel um terrified to hear to hear those things retold again and it really affects us really deeply so you know be nice to yourself yes but anyways let's get going but Avril and I met let's see when we met in 2018 2018 in Ballybrack yeah our my boy my son had gone to like a kids club that day and um so Avril and I had had actually gone to church together and, um, and as I guess I was walking out of the thing of the place and I was like, Hey, you know, this is random. Would you like, would you like to talk about maybe, you know, I was, she knew about Zoe and we were talking, is that what happened or how did that actually No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I have almost it's, zero memory of things. Well, you had a little baby at the time. I so did. my brain um, was like. Garbage. Yeah, yeah, you had baby brain, which mm-hmm. is fine. So most of it, yeah, you're accurate. I still in have that. baby brain, and he's five. So yeah, yeah. Um, it was in the school um, that we met, and um, you had your baby in the buggy, and he was mm-hmm. um, a little bit fussy. Oh yeah, that's what happened. And so you needed to go and get your older mm-hmm. son. And so I said, "Look, do you want me to just rock him while you go get him?" And oh. then. Um, just we randomly had a conversation where I think I mentioned that I was studying to be a psychotherapist. And, oh, you did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow we got around to um crisis pregnancy, and you mentioned then about Zoe Community. Mm-hmm. Didn't even have the name Zoe Community back then. It no. was. It was just an idea. Yeah, Yeah. and I mentioned that I had worked in a crisis pregnancy center um, in the States a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So that's how 
mm. conversation happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, in case anyone doesn't know this, Avril has, you have a really good memory for remembering people, places, events, things that happen. Yeah. Yeah. You just do. I so just do. that's, that's why it's good to have someone, you know, who has a brain that can hold information. Um, but anyway, selective information. Though. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell the guys what you do with Zoe? Like, what's your thing here? So part of my role with Zoe is that I'm the support coordinator for, for the volunteers, mm-hmm. which essentially means that I will be checking in to make sure that the volunteers are doing okay. Um, if they have any concerns that they can contact me, um, as I'm a therapist in my other um, job. So mm-hmm. it's just supporting the volunteers as they navigate and support other people who will connect with us in Zoe community. Um, how did you decide to be a part of Zoe? What was the thing that made you decide, okay, I want to do this? I think it was having that conversation with you in the corridor um, back in 2018. And when you mentioned, you know, what your, the vision you had, and I'm like, yeah, I would really like to be part of that. Um, you know, hands up here, I thought it would be more as a volunteer, you know, as in, you know, maybe phone or, um, meeting up with people who wanted to connect with us. I didn't imagine that I would, end up being the volunteer mm-hmm. support coordinator and have a bit more of a hands-on within Zoe community. So, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, the yeah. thing is we'll all have a hands-on at some point, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's funny how um, things can take ter- unexpected turns when we don't think we're going to really get stuck in. We do, you know. Very much so, yeah. <laughs> And yeah, and especially if we're like, oh, I don't know, if, um, I'm kind of scared of that. I don't feel like I could really do that kind of thing. But you can actually do more than you, more than you know. Yeah, more absolutely. Than you know. And I think it's just being willing to do it, mm-hmm. you know, to say yes to things that you can say yes to. And mm-hmm. then, you know, at times there are going to be things that I would have to say no to. And that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And that's one of the good things about um, Zoe community is... Mm-hmm that your yes is a yes and your no is a no and that's okay Mm -hmm. and life has seasons and sometimes we just can't we can't be ours you know or not that and that but like we can't um we just don't have it the energy but that's okay because we have everybody around us to pick up any slack we need and stuff yeah which is good yeah but anyways um i guess you're here right now to tell our listeners to tell everybody a little bit more about your background okay why why you are into zoe in the first place why it made it you know why you would would want to help other women in the situation of crisis pregnancy why is that's an important thing for you so you know you can share as much or as little but can you just tell everybody a little bit about how your life was um so Part of my um, my childhood and my teenage years, actually even to, to this day, um, my love of children is very evident. And from a young age, I started looking after other people's children. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, when when I was younger, I remember like friends saying, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, people were saying, oh, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a nurse. I want to be a doctor. And I'm like, I want to be a mommy. Mm-hmm. And it never um, once crossed my mind that that was an odd thing to say because my life revolved around children. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I come from a big family. I am the middle child of five and so life revolves around family Mm. um also one of as well as children I'm actually really passionate about helping young women Mm. and um when I was in the states part of my reason for being there was to support young people who had who were going through a crisis pregnancy and to discuss options with them um and I loved what I was doing and I would talk quite openly about you know termination and you know why it's not the best option to other people little did I know that and a couple of years later I would find myself in a crisis pregnancy mm-hmm. um so while my story is not unique it's complicated mm-hmm. Um, when I was in my kind of mid to late twenties, um, I experienced, experienced a sexual assault by somebody that I knew very well. And, um, I'm not going to go into detail about that because, Mm um, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, Yeah. just not, it's right now, you know, it's not the time. Um, And so the assault happened and I went into a tailspin, needlessly to say. Um, However, five days later, um, my one and only brother was killed in a car accident. And to say that the trauma of that was shattering is is a little bit of an understatement so on top of the assault the um my brother's death happened Mm -hmm. and I got busy Mm -hmm. I got busy minding everybody else Mm -hmm. um my brother's fiance um they had they together had a two and a half year old little boy my mom had lost her only son my dad had lost his only son my sisters had lost their brother Mm -hmm. And, and while they, all of them had people to look after them, I felt it was my job to look after them. So mm-hmm. in looking after other people, I didn't look after myself. Um, but I shut down emotionally mm-hmm. and I started, you know, kind of, this was the July and kind of October, I, I started to implode a bit, I guess it'd be the best way to describe it. And I went to talk to somebody um, in a rape crisis center. Mm-hmm. And the person that I saw was very kind. Mm-hmm. But one of the things she asked me was, um, you know, well, uh, when after your assault, did you get yourself checked out by a doctor? Or did you go to like a well woman clinic or anything like that? And I said no. And so she just said, look, I'd really encourage you to pop in to the um, there is a family planning clinic that's quite close to the center that I attended. 
And I went there and it's like, okay, I'll just, I'll just do it because she's suggesting it. So it's a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I found out there that I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And pregnancy hadn't even entered my head. Mm-hmm. And it seems so silly to say that. Um, that why wouldn't you know that you were pregnant or, you know, did your body not experience it? Mm-hmm. But I was so shut down emotionally Absolutely, that yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even think of it. And because my cycle was so um, unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And also when I, when I was younger, um, I had issues with my hips and my pelvis. Mm-hmm. And so I had been told that it would be unlikely that mm. I would become pregnant or even be able to carry a child. Okay. So a lot of different things mm-hmm. um, going on. Um, when the nurse in the clinic told me I was pregnant, um, I shock is like I wish there was a better word because <laughs> it mm. it was almost like everything was slow motion Mm. and and I'm thinking this is not possible this can't be be true and I very quickly and and just to say I still have um very foggy memories Mm. around that time Mm um but I I did talk to somebody and um before I knew it and this is the only way I can describe it before I knew it I found myself in um an abortion clinic in the UK mm-hmm. um I still don't know how I got there mm-hmm. I don't know how I got home but I obviously made my way from Ireland to England because it was still illegal mm-hmm. in this country to have a termination mm-hmm. um um you know even though it's it's a long time ago it's only in the last few years that I've actually started to share my story mm-hmm. so my healing journey around this has has begun mm-hmm. um i when when my pregnancy was confirmed um, I was already in my second trimester and quite late into the second trimester. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, okay, you need to go. Here's the appointment. You need to talk to this person and they will help you. And so I was in a clinic in the UK and I suddenly realized what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um Nobody had asked me any questions related to the pregnancy. The statement was, well, the fact that you may, you've come here from Ireland means that you want to have this done. So no one asked, no one said, are you sure? Or No, no. Um, I think the, the general thing was, well, if somebody was going to travel all this way, you know, they they were they weren't going to do it on a whim, mm. um, the and that was the therapist that I spoke to in oh. the center. 
What were you offered in terms of counseling beforehand? None. I didn't get any. Um, oh. It was done so suddenly. Mm-hmm. And when I got to the UK, it was to talk, I was to talk to a counselor and apparently two doctors. Um, I have two re- doctors. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I have recollection of one. Okay. Talking to one doctor and um, this doctor basically told me what to expect. And because of how late I was into the pregnancy, um, I would have to deliver. Okay. Um, and it's, it's almost like everything happens in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel in that, on that abortion bed is where I actually woke up and realized what was happening. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I just came awake mm-hmm. and and I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe where I was and um, what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And so I said to the nurse, I've changed my mind. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, it's a bit too late now and walked out of the room. But as she was walking out, she basically said, well, look, you know, you're going to start feeling pressure and, you know, you're going to feel that sense to push. So contact me, ring the bell. Ring the, when, bell. Ring the bell. There was this little bell thing. Ring the bell and somebody will come in. And I was on that bed and thinking, oh my gosh, I am losing a baby. Mm-hmm. And right then and there, it didn't matter about how I'd become pregnant or who I became pregnant for. It was, I was losing my baby. And that mm-hmm. was down to a choice mm-hmm. I made, even a choice in trauma but it was still a choice and I couldn't stop it Mm -hmm. and I I became mute is the Mm -hmm. only way Mm -hmm. I just couldn't couldn't even cry or I wouldn't even allow myself to experience the pain that I was in because Mm -hmm. actually I felt I deserved it because of the choice I was making, I deserved everything that I was feeling right then and there. Mm. Um, I I didn't call the nurse back and I delivered a little baby girl mm-hmm. and I, I saw her mm-hmm. and she was tiny, but she was so perfect. Mm. And I actually thought I could resuscitate her and I tried. And obviously because of the medication I'd been given to terminate, none of that was going to be possible. But I I just, all I thought was, please just let me just make her live, make her live. And, you know, in those moments you make all these agreements, you know, God, if if you make her live, I promise I I will do anything you say. And, And I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I held this tiny baby. And the one thing in that moment that I knew I could do was give her a name. Yeah. 
and I thought of the most beautiful person I know and her name is Leanne and that person had so much impact in my life and also my best friend her name is Marie and so I called my daughter Leanne Marie. I love that name. And that's the one thing on that day that I I know that I did that I did for my baby Mm -hmm. um yeah you know sometimes you know that saying time is a great healer in some situations Mm -hmm. time can be suspended and delayed so feeling I still feel the emotion of talking about her even to this day and mm-hmm. and actually I'm okay with that now and I'm okay with that actually thanks to Zoe community mm-hmm. because it's through Zoe community that I found the courage to share my story because for over 20 years nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I couldn't tell my family and I couldn't tell my friends so I was very much alone in in the shame Mm -hmm. in the pain and in the guilt of of what I had done Mm -hmm. and you know as a therapist one of the things that I say to you know some people that I meet the way you talk to yourself you wouldn't talk to another human being and for myself the way I talked to myself and the things that I said to myself about that decision where I wouldn't be able to voice it (laughs) (laughs) in a podcast or actually anywhere. Too many Um, expletives. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember thinking that I deserve to be punished. And so I did a really good job punishing myself. Um, just to say, I, like while this was happening, I was actually working in a crash, mm-hmm. which meant I was minding other people's children. Mm-hmm. And I came back from the UK and went straight into work the next day. And nobody knew I had been away. Nobody knew what had happened didn't tell them and that's actually a really common story yeah um not i mean now uh, abortion is legal in ireland mm. but it doesn't mean that you wouldn't go straight back to work or back to class yeah like nothing ever happened yeah it's so. like you just put one foot in front of the other and you just go through the motions because you, you just had a medical procedure it's normal yeah. like yeah, yeah so yeah mm. um i You know, coming home, I still, I don't remember the plane ride or even if it was a ferry, like that's how, Mm, yeah, um, how trauma can affect you, you, like that brain fog or just those moments or days Mm. and gaps in memory. Mm. Um, But I, I was so angry. I was so angry with myself and nothing, 
nothing would take that anger away and you know I like I was even self-harming at that stage Mm -hmm. because I felt it was the only way Mm -hmm. I could um, get any sense of relief was to actually feel a physical pain because the emotional pain was just horrendous um you know I never thought I would tell anybody Mm -hmm. um there was like so never tell anybody two people knew um and those two people were very gracious actually Mm -hmm. in holding my story for me but I remember one person in particular um she's like I'm so sorry that happened Avril and I'm like stop and she's kind of looking at me going what do you mean stop and and I said no you need to tell me how horrible I am you need to tell me what a bad person I am Mm -hmm. and that you hate me and and she just looked at me and she just said Avril I'm so sorry I'm so sorry that happened to you and I was furious with her (laughs) it's like how dare she how dare she try to help here how dare she be kind (laughs) how dare she even say I'm sorry because I I was like I don't deserve anything other than judgment Mm -hmm. um so closed it all down again it's almost like swallowing all the pain and Mm -hmm. got on working but I started to become very severely depressed mm-hmm. and ended up on quite heavy um, antidepressant medication, mm-hmm. which helped, but it didn't take the pain. It mm-hmm. just kept it depressed, squished down. Mm-hmm. And then Zoe community happened. Mm-hmm. And I remember... I remember the day I told you mm-hmm. um, and it was around the time that the abortion referendum was, you know, the chaos that was going on in Ireland there, you know, there was the two sides. Mm-hmm. And for me, that time was really difficult. I was, I was, had just begun my training to be a psychotherapist mm-hmm. And I was doing a lot of my own personal therapy. And then the Mm -hmm. referendum was going on. And I would, you know, be involved in um, prayer, you know, for the upcoming referendum. And I felt like, I felt so fake actually Mm -hmm. sitting there praying with others. And, um... And I, it's, it's really tricky because I think on both sides of that campaign, um, you saw the best in people, but you also saw the not so nice. And so Mm. even how I would hear some people pray, I felt so judged and they didn't know my story, but because I was carrying that um anger that frustration that pain that guilt that shame Mm -hmm. it was almost like I was constantly triggered however if you felt like that in a prayer meeting yeah they shouldn't have to know your background all they need to know is we should have compassion on everyone because you have no idea what people have gone through yeah 
and very true. pointing the finger or saying you shoulda or saying, how dare you? Oh, no. Yeah. That does not belong with people who care about Jesus, who pray about things like this. No. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just got mad for a minute. but <laughs> I think when, when you have that in your story, mm-hmm. you know, if if you think people are being judgmental, then it's personified, if that makes sense. Definitely. So, and it's like, where's, for me, it was, where's the kindness? Where's the empathy? Where's the compassion? Mm -hmm. You know, because on all of these seats in a church, there are people who have had terminations. Absolutely. There are people who have had crisis pregnancy. And the only way we know each other's story is if we stop, Mm -hmm. we listen, and we invite people to share Mm -hmm. their story um with us and so as you know around that time like Ireland was chaotic you know and there was the yeah just both sides of the campaign um nobody stopped no it was relentless and I understand why it needed to be relentless Mm -hmm. because this topic is really really difficult topic to talk about Mm -hmm. Um, but it still needs empathy. It still yeah. needs compassion, but it mm-hmm. needs kindness. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be a non-judgmental um, forum for discussion. Yeah. And because we had, you and I had started talking about a bit more about Zoe community and how it would look and, you know, the the ideas that were coming up and what if we could do this and... Mm-hmm. And I remember we drove in to listen to a particular talk mm-hmm. and yeah. on the way home, I I remember going, okay, I need to make a choice here. I need to let Katie know and Zoe community know that I had an experience with a crisis pregnancy and my story didn't end with me having, giving birth to a live baby. I had a termination mm-hmm. and speaking that in, in my car that day and your response was everything I needed, absolutely everything I needed and it gave me more courage because I had started to tell people mm-hmm. around that time Um. But I never thought that I would talk to my family. You know, mm-hmm. um, I have 23 nieces and nephews. Mm-hmm. We have a big family. And my my sisters, you know, um, they have their own children. And now they're all grandmothers. And I remember thinking I could never tell them mm-hmm. because they would hate me. And I could never tell my mother. And what's what's interesting is that, you know, two of my sisters actually had crisis pregnancies when they were both 17 at the time. And my parents reaction and response actually was really positive towards my sisters. Um, But, you know, the way sometimes people say things that, you know, it's like uh, they they react so rather than reacting, say, with my sisters, 
I remember my mom um, saying to me, Avril, don't you ever come and tell me you're pregnant. Mm. And she said that both times. And and I know that logically now I know that my mom wasn't saying never get pregnant, Avril. My mom yeah. was my mom was going, oh, look, they're both 17, you know, and they're mm. and they were my younger siblings as well. But I, I don't think um, I don't think many people realized actually how sensitive I was to how things were said. And you know what? A lot of parents say that to yeah. kids, which scares the kids from yeah. coming and telling them, hey, I'm mm. pregnant or I got somebody pregnant or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess parents, are you listening? You know, make yeah. sure to be empathetic with your children. Yeah, absolutely. And and sometimes I think parents it's a big job, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I am in no way blaming my mom. No, my mom was just saying what she said. She was, yeah. you know, she had just found out her daughters are, you know, both. Well, not they weren't pregnant at the same time, but very closely mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And so because I I didn't want to disappoint anybody mm-hmm. and I especially didn't want to disappoint my mom that yeah. I I never thought um, that I could tell her mm-hmm. about my experience because for a long time, all I heard in my head, you know, that narrative, it's mm-hmm. almost like those ruminating thoughts. You're bad, you're ugly, you're useless, look mm-hmm. at you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're such a fake mm-hmm. Christian. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you shouldn't be going to church because if people really knew you, mm-hmm. then they would not allow you to sit beside them. So all of this mm-hmm. that happens. And the same with my family. And and then with, you know, with getting more involved with Zoe community, I had a realization that if I am willing to stand up in front of a room of strangers and share my story, then it's the right thing to do to talk to my family. Mm-hmm and share with them Mm -hmm. my story and so my mom now knows that she has another granddaughter Mm -hmm. in heaven whose name is Leanne Marie Mm -hmm. and my sisters know that they had a niece Mm -hmm. and in sharing in sharing my story you know there's there's so many layers to this Mm -hmm. um but I no longer feel ashamed. Mm -hmm. And that is the biggest change for me Mm -hmm. in that I can share my story, be emotional about it, still feel the impact of it, Mm -hmm. but not feel the shame that I carried Mm -hmm. for for two decades and more. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for letting other people know that because there's lots of people out there with the same kind of thing happening and probably feel shame right now. Yeah. But thank you for, thank you for putting yourself out there and being yet one more person to take away the power of, of shame in people's lives. Yeah. How do you feel? What do you think um, made the most impact in you not feeling ashamed about your story? 
in sharing my story actually in some ways forced me mm-hmm. to confront the shame mm-hmm. that I felt. And people's response mm-hmm. when I told them my story was I was met with kindness. Mm-hmm. I was met with compassion and mm-hmm. I was met with sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really helped mm-hmm. because I felt held yeah rather than stoned if that makes sense what a great uh word play there word, um, um yeah group of words i can't think my brain yeah yes held not stoned held not stoned because i expected i expected the opposite i expected to be judged i expected mm-hmm. to be hated i expected to be have the finger pointed at me mm-hmm But here's the thing that's even better when you confront shame and when you say no to shame is Mm -hmm. even if people judge you, Mm -hmm. if people can't um, hold your story, then that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, sometimes I talk about, um, I use a Brene Brown. Yeah, I love Brene. Yeah, Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. She's great. Um, she talks about knowing your marbles mm-hmm. and in the context she uses um, an example of when her daughter was was really young and she came home from school one day and the car ride from where she was to their house was totally normal but as soon as her kid came in she crumbled mm-hmm. inside the door and Brene was going what's what's happened you know and so it turned out that her daughter had told her friend a secret thinking that her friend was going to hold this for her. And and her friend told somebody else and then it was all around the school. And so she felt embarrassed and she felt shamed. So mm-hmm. Brene Brown talked to her daughter and said about knowing your marbles, that there are some people that can hear our story and hold it. Mm-hmm. And... And hold us within that story. Mm-hmm. But there are other people that can't. And that doesn't mean that your story is invalid. But know who your marbles are. Yeah. Know who the right people are to tell your story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I started doing initially. Mm-hmm. I knew who I could share my story with. Yeah. And, and it's almost like when when you haven't been able to voice something Mm -hmm. for so long, nobody will ever um, silence me again Mm -hmm. because I was silenced for way too long Mm -hmm. just in this one area, in Mm -hmm. other areas as well. Mm -hmm. But this has allowed me to voice my story, part of my story, and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to apologize for it. Yeah. And I and I don't mean that in a prideful way. Well, you know, I don't like need to validate that or but I have done the work. Yeah, you have. And I have I have looked at the ugliness mm-hmm. of it. But when I look at myself now, I don't see that version mm. that I saw for so many years. I I just see me. Mm-hmm. I see Avril mm-hmm. and my my story is is part of who I am mm-hmm. 
um, it's chapters, not just one chapter. It's chapters in my book, my my book of life, in my yeah. history, uh-huh. and um, and sometimes some people need need to hear these hard stories because you don't know who you're sitting beside. Yeah, any given day you don't know who you're sitting beside. So, mm. um, what do you think is a a big takeaway that you feel like you want somebody listening to grasp like um something you'd want maybe them to take a step forward if if they've gone through something like this you know um I would say take a deep breath Mm -hmm. find a marble find somebody that you can talk to Mm -hmm. and share your story because once you confront it once you bring it into the light Mm -hmm. it will never be as dark again because it can't be that's so true it probably feels bleak and hopeless and terrifying but the second you find that marble you can't go back to that time you you can't go back to that terrifying time that's done yeah yeah. Um, you can't you can't ever go back to this that say into that same frame of reference. Yeah, it's you. There's still the darkness that's around it, right. which is as you continue to share mm-hmm. share your story. Because with any story, mm-hmm. it's there's so much to it, mm-hmm. which is why it's the podcasts are so important where you get to share stories Mm -hmm. where you get to share your truth Mm -hmm. where if you're struggling with something that you can say it Mm -hmm. um but where shame is concerned Mm -hmm. shame doesn't go away overnight yeah it's confronting it Mm -hmm. and you know sometimes I think we almost have these um shame rooms or corrals of shame Mm -hmm that we just pile everything in all the belief system Mm -hmm. and because of cultural bias as well because of actually Ireland as a nation and how you know the pro-life movement the pro-choice movement Mm -hmm. has has come up here Mm -hmm. um look at our history yeah with women in crisis pregnancy so shame has been in our DNA yes for so long Mm -hmm. so by confronting it and being able to stand and say I'm no longer ashamed Mm -hmm. I'm not making excuses or I'm not trying to um, minimize Mm -hmm. the impact of what I did but but I've done that and I own it but recognizing that our humanity yeah and that um humans aren't perfect yeah and we're gonna make mistakes things are gonna happen yeah but we just need to be able to hold our stories each other stories too yeah um without letting them swallow us up yeah yeah um you know i would just encourage people you know if this resonates with you reach out to somebody there mm-hmm. is a lot of help out there Mm -hmm. or if you are somebody who's supporting Mm -hmm. a friend or a colleague who has told you that they're in a crisis pregnancy Mm -hmm. and that they are um thinking about 
termination. Just talk to them. Mm-hmm. Ask yeah. them how they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I, in looking back, um, one of the things that I wish somebody had said to me was, how do you think you will feel or how do you think you will live with yourself if you make a decision to terminate? Mm-hmm. And I I can't say whether that would have made a difference yeah, yeah. to how my, my story ended, mm-hmm. but nobody asked me. Mm-hmm. And it's a valid question to yeah. ask. It's not manipulative. No, not at all. Because, and, and it's a very important question yeah. to ask. I feel like whenever, um, in the future, when women come mm. to us and, you know, ask us to listen, um, we, we do want to ask that question yeah. just to help them stop and think yeah, and make a decision that they're not going to regret. Yeah. 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 Very true. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, guys, that is all for now. Um, but if if anybody wants to message us, um, get on our Instagram, send us a private message, or you can email us at unshamed at zoecommunity.ie. Um, go to our website, Zoe, um, zoecommunity.ie, and, um, you know, check out what we're about. If you have, like, if you're curious about this kind of thing, um, if you want to know a little bit more about us, send us a message. We'll answer any questions. Um, Zoe Community, you know, just to put it out there, we're a faith-based organization because those of us who founded it, um, we are Christians, but we welcome anybody from any belief background. Um, we that That's kind of what we do. Um, so just to put it out there, just so you know that, because we want to be honest about who we are and what we do. Um but if you have questions, get on the website, send us an email. If you want to talk a bit more about your story or um, if you want to find a therapist, um, accredited psychotherapist, we can help you find that person to talk to. Um, and really, you know, we can help you find your marbles. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's all for now. Good to talk with you, Avril. And Thanks, Katie. Yeah. And um, well, guys, uh, until next time, keep living unshamed. Thanks for listening to Unshamed. If you like this podcast and want others to be able to easily find it, like, subscribe, and share to your social media. You can find us everywhere you like to listen to podcasts. If you want to send us a message, email us at unshamed at zoecommunity.ie.